Hi, writers. Welcome to our new episode on writing fiction, novels and short stories. This is Jim Thayer. What's the best part of a novel? What do readers like best? What entertains them the most? If we knew the answers to these questions, we writers could emphasize those parts of our novels or short stories, make that aspect the aspect that best entertains the reader, bigger in our novels. We writers should give the readers a lot of what the readers want most, what entertains them most. So, what are those elements? What do readers want most? Here is a list of the most entertaining aspects of a novel. I've created this list based on my reading and also on research on the subject, see if my list comports with yours. The list is from the most entertaining to the least entertaining elements of a novel. The most interesting part of a novel is action. This applies to thrillers, horror, war novels, historicals, sci-fi and fantasy, but And this is important. It also applies to genres not thought to be action-oriented, such as romances and coming-of-age, women's fiction, literary fiction, maybe mysteries, particularly uh, cozies. Following a character who is doing something is almost inherently interesting. The reader is sitting in a chair with a drink, feet up on the ottoman, and has sunk into the story. Watching the character look for something, or follow someone, hide from someone, fight, run, peek through uh, the lattice of a fence, climb a tree, sneak a drink, lasso a horse, jimmy a door, throw a ball, almost any action is interesting for the reader. The, The action of Making a sandwich might not sound to be of much interest to readers, and, and uh, but in the right circumstances, if it's well written, it is. If something else is going on, it can be interesting. Readers like to watch someone move and accomplish something. All novels should have significant action, even literary novels or, or other novels that are largely character studies. That's the most interesting thing in a novel is action. The second most interesting thing, uh, the most interesting aspect of a novel is dialogue. Why do readers love dialogue? It lets the reader get close to the characters. Conversation is immediate. The reader is with the characters, almost like being another party in the conversation, almost like being in the story. And dialogue is an entertaining way to reveal a character to the reader which is to say to show rather than to tell about the character. The reader learns a lot about the character by listening to her. The character might be caring or whiny or a know-it-all or abrasive or really smart or a moron or deceitful. All of this might be revealed in dialogue. For the reader, Reading dialogue is like eavesdropping. The reader gets to be where the characters don't know about the reader, 
uh, the, the reader is invisible to the characters. They are going to talk, the characters are, not knowing someone, the reader is listening. Now, I'm not talking about dull dialogue. Uh, nothing in our novel should be dull, and, and that, of course, includes dialogue. Our keys to fascinating dialogue uh, have been mentioned before, and it's these. First, arguments the best dialogue. Readers love dialogue where sparks fly. And second, we should drop into the conversation in mid-conversation, after the small talk, and leave the conversation, the reader should leave the conversation before it ends, before the small talk goodbyes. The reader should read only the heart of the dialogue. I believe the third most interesting aspect of a novel is character development, particularly the protagonist, but also the villain and often the, the sidekick. One of the reasons, and maybe the main reason, people read a book is to fall in love with a character in the novel. Remember characters we fell in love with? Huck Finn, Augustus, and Woodrow in Lonesome Dove, Harry Potter and Hermione Granger in the Harry Potter novels, Marianne Dashwood in Sense and Sensibility, Maddie Ross in True Grit, Scout and To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy in Little Women, uh, Francie Nolan in A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, uh, Tom Booker in The Horse Whisperer, uh, Anne Shirley in, Green, uh, in Anne of Green Gables, Evelyn Couch and Ninny Threadgood in Fried Green Tomatoes at the Whistle Stop Cafe. One of the main reasons we love these books and maybe uh, maybe the main reason is that we fell in love with the main characters. Sitting in our chair holding a book uh, before making dinner or after feeding the dog or after helping the kids with homework and after wondering why we aren't getting much hot water from the kitchen tap, after getting the bills paid from the mailbox and after our driving after driving our youngest to her swim workout. After all this, in our chair, relaxing, we fell in love. Or we returned to a loved one, a loved one the character in the novel we're reading. Isn't it wonderful? How many times will we in real life fall in love? Not many. But these novels allow us to experience that exquisite emotion. Sure, there's adventure and, and good dialogue and maybe some history and setting descriptions in these novels, but the main reason we remember these novels long after we have forgotten the plot is because we loved the hero or the heroine. We as writers should spend the creative time to develop characters readers will fall in love with. So creating such a character is third on our list. Uh, but Please be cautious here. Uh, don't larder the novel with your character's backstory. We've talked about backstory in earlier episodes. Readers want to look ahead, not look back. Uh, keep backstory, even interesting backstory, about our main character uh, limited. Keep it short. The fourth most interesting thing in a novel is the setup. The setup. 
Why are things as they are in the novel? What happened earlier and, and what is happening now? This might uh, simply be called explanation. The writer explains things. It, it can be interesting. How a weapon works, how a, a safe is opened, how to safely cross the stream, how to tame a wild horse, uh, how to get the time machine to work. In a third-person novel, uh, it's the author telling the reader how things are, and in a, in a first-person novel, it's the main character telling the reader how things are. It's explanation. But here, too, we should be careful. Some of this might be backstory, in other words, explanations of what's happened before the novel opened, and backstory should be short and important. And it's almost always more interesting to the writer than to the reader. And any explanation should likely be kept short. Readers don't want an encyclopedia article or a newspaper story or a how-to chapter or a, a, a long explanation of almost anything. The fifth most interesting thing in a novel are setting and character descriptions. I know that uh, character description is a lesser included of character development. We talked about a, min uh, a minute ago. Uh, a lesser included is a phrase such as the apples and the fruit. But I'm breaking it out here. I'm breaking out character and setting description here because, it's, uh, because an artful description of a character or of a setting or of a thing can be a particular pleasure for readers, filling in their senses as they read along. Here's an example of a wonderful setting description from Thomas Mann's Confessions of Felix Krull, Confidence Man. It was a narrow room with a rather high ceiling and crowded from floor to ceiling with goodies. There were rows and rows of hams and sausages of all shapes and colors, white, yellow, red, and black, fat and lean and round and long, rows of canned preserves, cocoa and tea, bright translucent glass bottles of honey, marmalade and jam. I stood enchanted, straining my ears and breathing in the delightful atmosphere and the mixed fragrance of chocolate and smoked fish and earthy truffles. I spoke into the silence, saying, Good day, in a quite in a quite loud voice i can still remember how my strained unnatural tones died away in the stillness no one answered and my mouth literally began to water like a spring one quick noiseless step and i was beside one of the laden tables i made one rapturous grab into the nearest glass urn filled as it chanced with chocolate creams, slipped a fistful into my coat pocket, then reached the door, and in the next second was safely round the corner. That's Thomas Mann. Isn't that a wonderful description of the setting? And here is one of my favorite descriptions of a character. This is from Arthur Conan Doyle's uh, description of Thaddeus Sholto in his novel, The Sign of the Four. 
A blaze of yellow light streamed out upon us, and in the center of the glare there stood a small man with a very high head, a bristle of red hair all around the fringe of it, and a bald, shining scalp which shot out from among it like a mountain peak from fir trees. <laughs> he writhed his hands together as he stood, and his features were in a perpetual jerk, now smiling, now scowling, but never for an instant in repose. Nature had given him a pendulous lip and a too-visible line of yellow and irregular teeth which he strove feebly to conceal by constantly passing his hand over the lower part of his face. In spite of his obtrusive baldness, he gave the impression of youth. In point of fact, he had just turned his thirtieth year. That's Arthur Conan Doyle, and that is a wonderful description. Descriptions of setting and of characters and other things in our novels shouldn't be too long, but they are a place where a writer can really write, uh, here like Thomas Mann and Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, to give, uh, to convey, convey to the reader sights and sounds and scents and the feeling of a place. These are places where we writers can display our skill. But remember, not, not too long, even even when skillfully done. The sixth most interesting aspect of a novel is another lesser included of character development, and it's the least interesting element on this list, and that's the character's thoughts, the character's interior monologue. Uh, you've heard me mention this before. Sure, it's part of a larger element, developing good characters, but I break it out here because it's important not to have too much of a character thinking, even a wonderful, lovable character, because a character's thoughts are the least interesting aspect of a novel. And often these thoughts, particularly navel-gazing, where the character thinks and thinks about how she feels about things, often it's just plain dull. It's very hard to make a character's thoughts interesting, and we writers tend to go on at too much length because writing them is easy. I've mentioned before that avoiding long character thoughts is important. So this is the list. Uh, it's a list I just mentioned here in order of the most interesting to the least interesting elements of a novel. The list is action, dialogue, character development, the setup, setting and character descriptions, and interior monologue. This is my own, this is my own ranking, and you might view things differently, but I think it's a, a reasonable and defensible list of the most interesting to the least interesting plot elements in a story, or elements in a story. Uh, so why am I mentioning it? Because we writers should have more of the most interesting elements and have less of the lesser and least interesting. We should have more action and dialogue and shorter descriptions and little interior monologue. monologue. We should fill our story with the most interesting elements and have less of the lesser interesting developments. I think that's a good goal for us. Well, here's my cat, Jack, just jumped onto my desk. I wonder what he wants. Well, I know what he wants. It's 10.30 in the morning, 
on the west coast of America, and he wants brunch. Somehow Jack got the idea a couple days ago that he needs brunch. Jack is served meals four times a day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and a late snack. It's always high-quality canned cat food, the best money can buy. Plus, he always has hard food, kibbles in a bowl he can eat any time. He's trying to get me to feed him five times a day, but I scoff. A person in this life, in this life has to have principles. Mine are faith, family, country, and no brunch for cats. Let's talk about character development, particularly describing our characters. How important is creating characters readers want to spend time with? Here are two industry experts. Here's Tom Clancy. Your characters must become as real to you as your neighbors. If they are not real to you, it's for damn sure they will not be real to your neighbors. If they are real to you, you will be able to see the world through their eyes in addition to your own. And here's literary agent Donald Moss. There are plenty of novels in which the main characters run for their lives and we are on the edge of our seats. Why? The reason we care about a character in mortal danger is that we care about that character, period. His life has meaning, purpose, or value. Life and death stakes are empty unless they are tied to underlying human worth. When I was in school, I was friends with someone who had a degree in art history from the Art Institute of Chicago. I asked her one day how a person could learn about art, as I knew nothing about it. She said, and it struck me as so important and correct that I, I remember it decades later, that when we look at a piece of art, we should ask ourselves why we like it. Not just that it's pretty or interesting, but we should try to be more specific. What about it grabbed our attention and is pleasing to us? Why didn't we just walk past it? walk past it. Why did the artist, what did the artist do that worked for us? This technique works in writing. When we finish reading a novel, we might ask, why was the story so entertaining for me? What did the author do that made me sink into the dream, to use John Gardner's phrase? If we take a minute or two to ask ourselves, and then answer these questions, we'll learn something about writing. Let's focus now on character development, specifically the physical description of a character. Here are three short paragraphs from three very fine writers, each describing a character. Let's ask ourselves, why are these paragraphs so good? Why do they appeal so strongly to us? I'll mention after each one why it grabbed me, and maybe you'll agree. We can learn from these descriptions. Here is the description of Morgan Gower in the novel Morgan's Passing by Ann Tyler. He was a lank, tall, bearded man in a shaggy brown suit that might have been cut from blankets. And on his head he wore a red ski cap, the pointy kind with a pom-pom at the tip.
Masses of black curls burst out from under it. His beard was so wild and black and bushy that it was hard to tell how old he was, maybe forty, forty-five, at any rate older than you'd expect to see at a puppet show, and no child sat next to him. That's Ann Tyler. What works in this wonderful paragraph? First, the fact uh, the the fellow is odd. He uh, odd characters are usually more interesting than vanilla characters. We should give our characters peculiarities. Some might be off-putting or some others might be endearing. Readers love these odd aspects of a character. And Ann Tyler's image is strong. Red ski cap, bushy black beard. And the author uses strong words. Lank, shaggy, pom-pom and a strong phrase bursting out. But she also leaves the reader wondering how old he is and why he likes puppet shows, a mystery. This is a, a strong, attention-grabbing description. We, uh, the reader senses the character's exuberant and childlike eccentricity. We want to know more about him. And here is... Uh, the description of Carrie White in the novel Carrie by Stephen King. Carrie stood among the girls in the locker room, stolidly, a frog among swans. She was a chunky girl with pimples on her neck and back and buttocks, her wet hair completely without color. It rested against her face with dispirited sogginess, and she simply stood, head slightly bent, letting the water splat against her flesh and roll off. She looked the part of the sacrificial goat, the constant butt, believer in left-handed monkey wrenches, perpetual foul-up, and she was. Boy, is this good. And why is it so good? What can we writers learn from it? The author has chosen details that match his character's inner self. In Carrie, Stephen King describes Carrie's, in this sentence, in this paragraph, Carrie's blemished skin, her passive posture, and colorless hair because they suggest an unattractive person, a, a victim. He uses words such as stolidly, dispirited, sogginess, letting the water run off her, even splat to describe the water running off her as splat is associated with someone being hit. Even her last name, White, her name is Carrie White, is colorless. She's an invisible girl who uh, we suspect reading this paragraph and we soon learn that she is bullied. She's a victim and she is sympathetic to the reader. Readers root for underdogs and Carrie is an underdog. And here's our third paragraph. This is from uh, Toni Morrison's novel, Song of Solomon, and her description is of the character named Macon Dead. Solid, rumbling, likely to erupt without prior notice, Macon kept each member of his family awkward with fear. His hatred of his wife glittered and sparkled in every word he spoke to her. 
the disappointment he felt in his daughters sifted down on them like ash, dulling their buttery complexions and choking the lilt out of what should have been girlish voices. Under the frozen heat of his glance, they tripped over door sills and dropped the salt cellar into the yolks of their poached eggs. Tony Morrison paints Macon dead as big and solid, and he's omniscient. We learn that in this very, uh, in this one paragraph. He's utterly controlling. He's so frightening he scares his own daughters. He's a failed parent, though we, uh, though he doesn't know it yet. We instantly detest Macon dead, as we are meant to. And isn't this a strong portrait? of a bad man, and the author uses wonderfully soft phrases, buttery, lilt, girlish, yolks, sifting down like ash, and these, uh, these phrases and words are appealing and soft, but they're used to describe a man who is their opposite, who is hard and mean. The phrases and the man are a strong juxtaposition. He even has a loathsome name, Macon Dead. We writers can learn from this wonderful paragraph. The phrases are lovely. The word choice is strong. There's strong metaphor. And the writer seems to intimately know the character, Macon Dead. She knows things about him that he might not know about himself. We can learn good writing by paying attention to good writing, by asking ourselves, why is this so good? How did Ann Tyler, Stephen King, and Toni Morrison do it? I'll try to do it too. We've arrived at the end of this episode. I'm sure glad you were along for it. If you'd care to, send me an email, and I'd like to hear from you. My address is Jim Thayer, Seattle at gmail.com Until next time, this is Jim Thayer. Keep tapping those keys. <laughs>